Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Chris French about two recent reports, the August Human Workplace Index, as well as unleashing the human element at work from WorkHuman and Gallup. Chris French, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us north of Toronto, and I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about two recent reports, the August Human Workplace Index, as well as the Work Human and Gallup report, Unleashing the Human Element at Work. I'm super excited to pick your brain and to learn more about some of these, uh, the recent uh, analysis and data that you're seeing. As we get started, I wanted to share Chris's bio with everybody. Chris French is Executive Vice President of Customer Strategy at WorkHuman. WorkHuman is the world's fastest growing integrated social recognition and continuous performance management platform. Human applications are shaping the future of work by helping organizations connect culture to shared purpose with a consistent stream of gratitude fueling unparalleled provocative workplace data and human insights. WorkHuman Cloud is a critical software engine for global companies seeking to motivate and empower their people to do the best work of their lives. Uh, I'll pause there. Anything else you would like to specifically share about your background or personal context or WorkHuman before we uh, launch on into the broader conversation? Well, first, as I listened to you give that that um, overview, it sounded to me like that was optimized for uh, search engine optimization. But let me <laughs> let me say this. Imagine let me say this in a different way about what WorkHuman does. Imagine a time when someone said to you, "John, I just wanted you to know that I see you. I see you. I saw the work that you did on that project, and this is the impact that it had on me or on the company. And I just wanted to let you know that and how that made you feel." What we do at WorkHuman is make human moments like that happen every two seconds in 180 Mm -hmm. countries in over 30 languages. And so we can talk about all the marketing words and things like that, but we're in the make human connections business. Um, And I've been living here, I've been here for 10 years. And before that, I spent 10 years in consulting, also trying to figure out how to unlock the potential of humans at work, my background my undergrad is in psychology as well. And so I feel like when, when I talk to my wife, she says, 
you're in the place where you belong to be. You've been talking about this for 20 years. So um, I'm really excited to share some of the things that we've learned along the way and how people can take those and work it every day with you and your listeners today. Perfect. Awesome. I, I, and so important, like just the, that recognition and creating a dynamic culture and environment of just people being open and genuine and sharing gratitude and appreciation. You know, it, it's a, it's a relatively simple, small thing, yet it so rarely happens consistently <laughs> in businesses and people just crave it. We're social animals. We want to have that. We, you know, and it's not just about, you know, stroking egos and, you know, I want to be patted on the back and blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, we're, we're human animals. And so we do like those elements, but it's just part of building relationships and building teams where they know that they can lean on each other and trust each other and all of that, it goes hand in hand. So it's not just ego and all of those things. It's, it's much more than that. And so I'm, I'm really excited to, to dive on into this. Let's start with the August human workplace index. Tell us what that's all about, uh, what goes into that. And then we can start to talk about some of the findings. Sure. Well, when the pandemic really started to hit, we realized that you couldn't do these big surveys of employees wait six months or a year and then look at it again. The world was changing too quickly. So every month we went out to a thousand workers and asked them how they were feeling on a variety of topics. And each month there were different themes based on what was going on, but then the same set of questions around, are you happy? Do you think you're going to leave your job, et cetera? And so um, it's been fascinating to see how the world has changed, you know, over the, each month, essentially, and what's become important to employees, and you know, even just in the last four or five months. And I think we've become accustomed to that in during the pandemic that things change quickly. But before that, you know, there were these broad sweeping trends. And then all of a sudden we got into like maybe every two weeks, the world would completely go the other way because there was another outbreak or because um, you know, now we're, the, people are using the word recession. So there's lots of things going on. And that's what we do with the, with that um, human workplace index is to measure that pulse and see how things have changed over time. Yeah. And just getting that, the, doing the pulse surveys and getting that data consistently over time is, is so powerful. The, the, the day of of the old yearly engagement survey is long past. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it probably wasn't that effective before, anyways. But it's certainly today, it's it's not sufficient, and so we need to do more. Uh, so what so what are you finding as you go out and you you um, you have it sounds like eleven or excuse me a thousand people that you're you're right. uh, surveying monthly. What are some mm-hmm. of the things that you're finding from the August report, as well as some of the trends, perhaps over the last year? Yeah, so the interesting thing with the August report is we had a, if you look at August of last year, and we ask people, are you planning to leave your job? Last year, 61, 61% of people said that they were thinking about leaving their job. And so this was right in the height of everybody was talking about the great resignation, etc. So it's important. That's an interesting one to keep measuring. So in this August, it's 37%. So now, 37% is still a pretty big number. So it's not to say, oh, well, we're through it now. The big the big quit or the great resignation, whatever you'd like to call it, is still a third, over a third of the people. But that's also a pretty big drop. Now, there's a whole bunch of reasons why that might be. It could be because people are 
more stable. They realized lots of people left jobs and then left those jobs and went back to their original jobs. Um, there were some things that were COVID specific and industry specific um, related early on. Um, but generally speaking, people are less likely today to say that they're that they're willing to leave their job. That's that's probably number one. Um, number two, we kind of in this particular one, we dug into we've been keeping track of diversity, equity, inclusion, and how important that is. That remains important for fifty percent of the people that we survey. That that's a thing that's important. Like the progress their organization is making continues to be a thing. Um, but we dug deeper this time into specifically the experience for women. And um, it's, it's very clear that women feel in the workplace less acknowledged, less well-paid, less often promoted than their male colleagues. And so that's one of the things that we'll have to dig into and see if we make, considering how many companies are supposedly making an effort in these areas and how important it is to employees that that, that progress is being made, that that is still the sentiment and the feeling certainly within one of we this is obviously one example of a of a group that's um that you would be focused on um based on gender but that's another one the last one i would say that uh, and then we can unpack any any one of these is in january that's when a lot of companies said i'm going to start bringing employees back on site so we asked at that time all right how, how do you feel about that and there was a lot of sort of excitement and a lot of anxiety about that in January. When we measured that again here in August, a lot less excitement, but also a lot less, less anxiety. So people are less concerned about sort of physically being together, but you know, maybe it's a summer thing, but, but less excited about being together. So those are kind of the, the key highlights from August. Like you said, if we unpack that a little bit, it's good to see the decline uh, from August last year to this year in terms of people who are actively seeking to leave or have intention to leave. And like you said, there's a whole bunch of reasons that can go that we could dig into that probably are going into that decline. Uh, one thing I, I was just reading, I think it was a Harvard Business Review article just the other day about quiet quitting. Um, mm -hmm. And that has become more prevalent and a huge challenge for organizations. So I'm, I'm wondering if that's something that's come out at all in your August report. Well, I think what we're, what we're seeing is that there's a, well, there's a lot of things going on basically. Let's, let's talk about um, what I observe when I talk to chief people officers and um, other people who are responsible for people um, generally, right. Which is that people are tired. People are tired and they're a little bit cranky, you know, and that's a general comment, not about workers, but about people. And there's this general, um, at first, when people were unsatisfied with what they felt was the dynamic between an employer and an employee, it's unfair, I'm working longer hours for, for the same amount of pay or, or not much more pay. I'm um, connected 24-7 through certain devices and people are, there's no break. And what people were doing earlier was leaving. Now, 
less of those people are leaving, but they're staying, but they're not giving you the extra. And that's really what that quiet, quiet quitting was, is really, it's not actually, and if, I think it's actually not the right word, right? Quiet quitting, because ultimately that implies that it, people are expected to go above and beyond in order to, you know, that that's part of the agreement. And employees are kind of feeling like, okay, well, maybe I won't leave because who knows, it could be a recession. I might need to keep this job, but I'm not going to give you any extra either. And, you know, that's, that to me is the natural progression of the things that we've seen in the world, um, which is I'm tired, people are tired, they're a little bit cranky, but they're no, not necessarily voting by saying I'm going to leave. They're saying I'm going to stay, but I'm going to give you, they're like, if the only thing that I get from you is my pay and my benefits, then the only thing you'll get from me is the work that I'm contracted to do. It's it's interesting. And in the academic world, so I'm a professor and I do consulting work as well. But in the academic world, we talk about this in terms of withdrawal cognition. So it's a kind of a fancy term, but it, it's it's simply quiet quitting. Um, it's this idea that, you know, people start to get a little bit unhappy, disengaged from their work. They start to look for greener pastures somewhere else, and they start to recalibrate their effort level and what they're willing to do. And that's exactly what you were just describing. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, in the past, you know, I, I see a future for myself at this company and I want to put my best foot forward. I want to impress people. I want to get put on the big projects with the great, um, clients. And, and so I'm, I'm going above and beyond and more and more people are just saying, no, that's, (laughs) I don't see my investment into the company paying those dividends back. Uh, and, and, or people are reprioritizing or just saying what I thought was important for me a couple of years ago in my career just doesn't seem to matter to me anymore. And so I'm going to show up, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to do a good job, but I'm not going to put in 60 to 80 hours for a job, you know, that may not even be here in six months because they decide to downsize or there's some other crisis or whatever. Uh, and so I think all of these things are going on simultaneously and it's just causing people to rebound, you know, take stock and rebalance the scales. In some cases, that means people are leaving and going somewhere else or hanging up their own shingle or trying gig work or whatever. In other cases, it just means they're staying where they're at, but they're just recalibrating, right? Well, I think the other thing that a lot of people don't talk about, because we, when we talk about a person quietly quitting or a person um, potentially leaving the organization, the, the mental construct that we're in is the relationship between the company and that person. And what's left out of that is the relationships that that person has with the other people who are working in that company. So I was, I was listening to a podcast yesterday where somebody said, I, I, don't, I might quit jobs, but I don't quit people. And the, the, it was a nice way of articulating what I'm trying to get across, which is that it's not always for the betterment of the company. I would argue probably less, a very small percentage is for the betterment of the company that people were doing those above and beyond things. They were often doing them either to help themselves move forward or to help others. And if you think about the fact that we've now gone years without physically being together, where you have those natural organic discussions about Hey, John, um, you know, the weather in Utah, or I heard you got a new puppy or congratulations on your new home, or, Hey, we're all going to go, going to go running after work together. And, you know, those kinds of things 
are not happening organically and we're not replaced by anything in a remote or hybrid work environment, except by those companies that were deliberately trying to do that. And that also creates an erosion of culture and, and connection. We talked about this earlier, like right at the outset, we're social animals. We are wired to be social. It is a core human need. If you're not getting any of that, that the only thing that you're getting from the company is your pay, then you're only going to give what your what what will get you that pay because then you have to take the other time to build your social connections and things elsewhere outside of work. And so I do think that's one thing that we don't talk enough about is how are we continuing to build relationships between the employees themselves? And that that you never get that if your whole construct is the company to the employee. So you also talked about uh, the gender issue. Um, is there anything else there you would like to unpack? I, I think there's tons of stuff we could talk about uh, potentially, but I also want to leave time for us to talk about uh, the unleashing the human element at work report as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, only to say that, look, if a tremendous amount of effort is being put into programs to create equity in the organization and people are feeling like you go through this period where you're more aware of, of the inequity, then you're then there will, when you measure that, pe- more people will say will say that. But it just goes to show you that this has been a thing that we've been working on for a while, and we're not making like world changing progress. And we're going to need to think about how do we make equity happen in the moment as opposed to general awareness like general awareness, I need to be reminded in the moment that I need, that there's an inequity and I, I need, and that when my actions are contributing to it because of unconscious bias, as an example. And so I think we're past the point where you can have these broad ranging programs for education only. And we have to be able to get into these moments, these micro coaching opportunities um, to acknowledge the unconscious bias and do better in that moment. The aggregate of doing better in all those moments will lead to better results overall. So I think we're just in the middle of that journey. The, 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 the only thing I would say is we have to be super careful not to declare victory too early. That's all I would say. There's still a lot of work to be yeah. done. There. Yeah. And it's it, like you said, it's great that we're paying more attention to this. It's great that companies are investing more resources towards this. It's great that more companies have chief inclusion officers or different working groups trying to focus on the, this strategically and such, but we have to get beyond the conversations. We have to start changing and disrupting the policies, practices, procedures embedded within the organization that have disproportionately been negatively impacting certain populations. And in this case, we're talking right. about gender um, and whatever it is though, we, we have to we have to actively be doing those things. And I think it also comes back to what we were talking about just a minute ago. I think some women, and I've actually done a lot of research um, looking at gender differences in employee engagement and worker satisfaction and some of those sorts of things. And there, there's this paradox that oftentimes women will report the highest levels of engagement and satisfaction while simultaneously having the worst or you know, measurably, objectively worse working conditions and environment. <laughs> and so you know, part of it is an expectations game. Part of it is uh, perhaps a, a mentality of, I just gotta, I gotta work my butt off to prove myself. And, and then 
as I do that, I'm going to demonstrate my commitment to the organization and it'll pay back in the long term. Um, and I think women are realizing that that's not always happening. So they're, they're putting a lot, of, a lot of the effort in and then they keep on getting leapfrogged by an incompetent man, for example, getting promoted over them. Um, you know, that's just one example, but there's all these types of things that happen. And when you observe that, um, there's only so many times that you're going to see that without just throwing your hands up in the air and saying, uh, nothing's changing, even if the intention is there and even if the conversations are happening. So we just have to get beyond that for sure. All right, let's take the remainder of our time talking to talk about this Unleashing the Human Element at Work report. Tell us a little bit about that and that partnership with Gallup and Work Human and what some of the key findings are there. Well, I think, you know, Gallup for a long time has been has been um, covering the concept of employee experience, employee engagement. And when we got together, what we wanted to do was go out to the population and really understand the the value of those human connections at work. And how does that affect different kinds of people in the category of diversity, equity, inclusion, but also just generally speaking, relative to other investments you can be making, how does this actually, how can we quantify this impact? How much more likely is a person who has those connections, are they to stay in the organization, to feel engaged, et cetera, and to unpack it? So it was kind of like, let's build the manifesto around that. If we agree, like I said earlier, that part of the challenge that we have is that there's this great disparity between people who live in, an, in a or in, in work in a world with these connections and don't, we should be able to easily see that both in the way that people feel and how they act with their feet. And that's what we try to do with this, with this study. So it's a pretty sweeping study. I think it's 48 pages or something like that. So of, that unpacks a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. But if I were to just kind of, kind of say, um, you know, the numbers are ridiculous, right? In terms of, of, I remember sitting with the Gallup people and they said, well, if we see a 20% increase in the probability that a person will stay or, or feel good, that's big. And we're seeing like 3X, 4X, 5X impact. And so, um, I mean, we can unpack a lot there, but that's what we were trying to ultimately do is to put some, quantify this a little bit so that more organizations would say, hey, I need to, I need to think about this because if we go into a recession, what is the cheapest, easiest way to really create a different environment? I would argue that this is it. Yeah. And why wouldn't we want to do a, a basically pretty simple, uh, relatively cheap thing that can make a huge impact? 3X to 5X uh, impact. That's crazy, right? Uh, and like Gallup was saying, absolutely, a 20% increase in, in the, li the likelihood of you know something impacting something else. That's huge. Um, when you're talking about 300, 500%, you know, increase, that's, that's crazy. Um, and you can have systems to help you do this, but it's also just, it's just a realization that we just need to embed this into the culture of the organization. Like these are just the things we need to be doing consistently every day as leaders. I, as a leader, I should take it upon myself to make sure that I'm trying to reach out and be authentic you know, authentically sharing with my team about the successes of everyone, giving people an opportunity to share what their successes are so we can learn from each other, just being generous and, and uh, never suppressing a kind thought towards my people. If I can just foster that kind of an environment, I mean, people are going to be willing to give you a lot of benefit of the doubt and put up with 
you know, things not always going great just because they know that you genuinely care about them and that you're, you have, you're looking out for them. Right. One of the things, cause I just want to latch on John to something that you said there, which is as a manager, I think that when you look at the frequency that people expect those moments, it's almost physically impossible for a manager alone to carry that load. Right. In most companies, what are it's like 12 to 15% of the people are managers, right? The, to me, when you build the culture of recognition, it's because it's a driven by 80% of the people, not 12% of the people. So one thing that was really, really key is in order to get the frequency, you have to unlock the, the crowd. So in other words, peer-to-peer -peer recognition is a major component of that. The second thing I would say is you don't have to create all of these moments from scratch. Sometimes just a reminder of that moment is all has the same impact in the brain, right? It's, it triggers the same reward system in the brain. So when we talk about the technology, the technology there is to expand the and amplify any one moment. So even if you're not getting um, recognized yourself, you still see that other good things are happening and people are being recognized and you can congratulate those people. And then every time you congratulate them, it's a reminder that they had that moment. Right. And then the technology also, if it's done properly, is reminding people at regular intervals about that moment. Remember that time? Do you remember that time when Jonathan or John said, hey, Chris, I, I saw you. Right. And so it's the if you have enough frequency because of peer to peer and you have enough of these other reminders, now it feels like it's always happening. And that's impossible for a manager to do. But when you put the technology and the design together, and we're, just, we're not guessing at this, right? We've been doing this for 22 years and we've got 70 million data points about these interactions. And we have a whole team of data scientists who do nothing but look at that data and say, what's the optimal number of these moments from who? Is it better from peers or managers or from the company overall or all three? By the way, the answer to that is a combination of all three. Um, and, and is it better to give and receive that? What, like I'm also in that context, giving gratitude as well. And so interestingly, if you are only going to have one of these moments in the year, it would be better that you give it than receive it. That's a better indicator of your probability of staying as an example. Now together, putting them together is the magic formula, but that's the, I mean, that's what we've kind of unpacked is you have to get to a frequency that doesn't happen just at the manager level. And by the way, I'll just make it one comment because I've been, you, you like yourself, I've been in this space for a long time. If managers would only do the things that you wanted them to do, <laughs> life would be so much easier, but most of them don't. And so those, the reminding them of that responsibility is, is super important because yeah. human nature, you just get busy. You're not even seeing yep. the people, right? I only see you when I'm on, 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 on this screen. So um, you can't even walk by them and say, hey, I just want to say thanks. So you, we have to be way more intentional and deliberate. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, this has just been a great conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to share insights from these reports with me and my audience. Before we wrap up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, where they can find these reports, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. 
Sure. Well, go to work, www.workhuman.com. That's where you can find the reports. You can download them. You can connect with me, um, chris.french at workhuman.com or on, on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with people. I guess what I would say is the, is the closing to this would be, would be we've been living in this world for a, quite some time. And even the people who have been on site have been physically distanced from each other. They don't have the same... Uh, lunch facilities, etc. We crave human connection, and we need to be deliberate about increasing the amount of human connection that happens between our employees, or they're going to continue to quietly quit or leave us. Yeah, well said, Chris. It's been a pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Chris and his team can do for you at WorkHuman. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.